namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sangang namasami So a lot of the <clears throat> forces that are um, going on in the, in the mind or in the, particularly in the human context, relationships and communities and functions and duties and plans and engagements, it's uh, very much about making it work, you know, arriving at a satisfactory conclusion. And, uh, you know, that, that's quite quite. A Tricky, really, even to just when you're on your own, just according to your own routines, your own ideas, your own aims, your own welfare. That's still it's quite quite a tricky job, actually, trying to get it all working. And then certainly in my life, living in community, it's, it's it becomes more or less uh, one level kind of impossible because uh, you know it's not really negative. It's just the fact that. Um, you know, when you have 20 people, then you've got certainly maybe 25 different ways of looking at things. <laughs> you know, I sometimes look at things three different ways. I go, well, yeah, that's true. And I look at another way, well, that's true. Hmm. You know, so actually trying to get it to think there's going to be one thing that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, terms of function or set up or things of this nature, you know. Uh, so it's just like things like, for example, just here, for example, you know, if, it, if there's some, some, some kind of physical nature, things break down, bits of equipment break down or machinery break down and so on, you know. Why is something's gone wrong, you know? Or then things turn up late. You know, some builder said they come in August, you know, middle of September, late so they still haven't turned up. Oh dear, you know. And then uh, we're trying to find some kind of, come to some agreement, we haven't really got there yet, you know. Things like that, just sort of human systems don't really quite, quite aren't reliable, they don't really work. You know, or we start to revise your idea of what working means, you know, because that seems to be the norm. Actually, the sort of breakable, not not exactly right, not on time, not really conclusive. It becomes more a pattern, I certainly witness myself. 
you know, and then more on a kind of human level is having a difficult day or he's, he's in a bad state right now or, you know, she's a bit edgy or I'm not feeling so clear in my own mind, a bit sort of, you know, worn out or something. So there's all sorts of misperceptions and things going on on that level. Uh, it can sound kind of really gloomy. There's quite a lot of Buddhism can sound pretty gloomy. <laughs> But actually, there is there is there is something that does work, <laughs> you know. It involves actually meeting this, you know, recognizing, you know, the nature of things without some sort of attitude, you know. I think when you look at things like recognizing the, the processes of change and impermanence and f- breakability and inconstancy and differentiation and co- and you know different things like that without some attitude of, oh, well, it's a waste of time, or, oh, well, you know, you feel resigned or slightly depressed or, um, you know, things, it's, it's gone wrong from the, work, from the norm that it should be. But maybe when I recognise, certainly in my own life, that that norm of the way it should be has never happened, really. <laughs> There's been a few moments, you know, when you think, oh, this is exactly just right, you know. Few, few little precious pearl-like moments, and then ah, oh, oh, oh well, you know, it's sort of, you know, the moments when things really ring true and clear, you know, think, oh, that's just right, and then, then change, you know, or you have the moment you really, really get on with someone really well, and it sort of slips out, or something's, you know, really functioning clearly, and then that sort of shifts. So a lot of it is just this rather less satisfying quali- uh, quality to it. Mm. It's one of those things that one begins to see as, as something that's quite, in a way, quite uh, reliable. <laughs> you know, is this nature of things. So it's not, but it's not to adopt some kind of attitude of, of stoicism or pessimism or dismissiveness, just because that, that's adding something to it. I mean, it's kind of, mm. You know, and then seeing, just starting to recognize this hunger in the mind or the disappointment in the mind or the frustration or the blaming, you know, blaming oneself, blaming others, blaming the system, blaming the builders, blaming the current, blaming the economy, blaming, you know, anything, parents, God, Buddha, you know, whatever. <laughs> can go on. They didn't quite do it for me, you know. And it just stopped doing that. Yeah. I remember for one one of the, these rain seasons was often the case that you make some kind of resolution for the whole of the what's called the rains season, which is three months, which we're just getting to the end of now. So you can make vows and resolutions like you know not to eat sweets or not to read newspapers or to practice chanting or learn something. You know, either you can put something aside or you can pick something up. And so one, one rains retreat, uh, I made this resolution not to complain. You know, I don't necessarily complain externally, but my mind can complain. You know, and not, not like, shut up, but just, oh, just witness that moment. You're going, oh, stop. And so I made that resolution. I didn't realize how much my mind complained. 
you know, until, I, until I really focused on this moment when you, something touches, you know, somebody talking too long. Oh, you shut up. <laughs> or somebody comes in, oh, who does she think she is, you know? <laughs> this little snipey thing which start, didn't necessarily come into verbal form, but I could feel it kind of just starting to settle onto something and start to, you know, tussle with it. I think, wait a minute, there it is, stop. And just, you know. And now much of that complaining mind was a way of, of somehow almost like a blister. You know, you know, blister. So when you, your foot gets some chafing, then you, you, the skin blisters. Uh, it's there to protect you, actually. You know, it causes you pain. You know, the blister is there to protect you. You know, protect your foot. You know, so it's sort of like this sort of complaining is kind of like a blister coming up over something, feeling irritated or, or agitated or chafed or let down or something. so. This kind of thing grows around it goes you know I never get near that and, you know who does she think she is and she talks too much anyway and I never get you know, I said that to date yesterday but they didn't do it after all you know it's <laughs> something sort of going on just feeling the moment that arising and just uh-huh just, just uh, feel the, the little the pa- little bit of kind of pain in there you know of that feeling in the heart, that sense of, you know, the, the contact impression. Instead of, blist, you know, blistering, instead of kind of developing this thing around just to be with, with that kind of slightly, you know, disgruntled sense and just relax. And, mm. With no attitude, just the feel it as like an energy building up and then just relaxing. So I did that for three months and it was quite insightful and uh, these things that you know when you do them you, you really see something it remains there as a sort of piece of one's spiritual gear you know like uh, hit that one or you because you, you it takes you somewhere you've seen something and somehow the reality the complaining for example in my mind can never quite have the same conviction because it, it can start and halfway through of complaining, something's going, oh, hmm, yes, we've been here before, haven't we? Hmm. <laughs> What's really wrong, you know? Been here before, haven't we? Hmm. Hmm. There's a sense of familiarity with some pieces of one's psychology one's pieces of one's mental reactions just getting more familiar with them without an attitude and so essentially you just can't quite get the the revs going to really buy into it you know you can't quite get on board with it it's drug you you get on board for it a little while you run after you can't quite get the poor me going <laughs> but of course, it's, it's sometimes it's not not easy because there is that feeling of, you know. And then, in a way, it seems to me that every time you you know you you get some kind of realization, it, it 
it sometimes takes you deeper to where the kind of the real hot, the real hurt bit is, the real hot point is, you know, the need to be, the need to have something, the need to be solid, the need to be fulfilled, the need to be, you know, a person. And it's a struggle being a person. And so quite a lot of our life, it seems to me, just a reflection, is about, you know, sometimes feeling, you know, being a person as a kind of basic norm, and then you're trying to fit some dumber into it. You know, to be in a kind of more awakened, useful, clear, positive, well-balanced being, person, you know, try to fit that into the person pack. It's like bolting more on, you know, more accessories or colonic cleansing, you know. You know, sometimes it isn't a deliberate plan, it's basically that's the instinct. You know, how can I make this work for me? And there's, yeah, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's interesting. What does that mean? Because in a way, that's where you have to come from. What does it mean? How is it going to work for me? Yeah. And you can start to be, well, this and that and this and that and him and her. It's a big job. Big job, trying to balance all these things. What's really going to work for me? What's really going to work for me? And somehow, you know, that, to my mind, I come, I come back to, well, the only bit I can actually do really, I can't even do that all the time, is to, is this kind of stop, you know, clinging, stop leaning on, stop expecting, stop hoping, stop trying to make it work. And then that kind of works in some sort of sense of release. And um, my mind can, or, you know, can, can respond as best it can to what's going on, you know, which isn't necessarily answers in the apparent real world but it's answers in terms of feeling of well-being feeling of of clarity a feeling of conscience a feeling of you know goodwill feeling you know those senses it, it does the best it can you know and i think well i have no regrets and there's no moaning in my mind or no stressing going on so that's something i you know i, I can i see that that that's the bit I can do, or that's the bit that can happen. And in reality, it isn't about me being a person, it's about more like, or me not being a person, but actually coming out of that to really the, almost like the mechanisms of consciousness. You know, not how will I be a better monk, or how will I be, you know, responsible senior person in the community, or how will I make... Buddhism developed in the West or something like that. Oh, quite good. No, you know, laudable aims. But eventually, you know, come to the, I kind of stop clinging, you know, leaning on, holding on to. And then these other things seem to, you know, shake themselves out, come out to some, you know, it's really like a change of perspective into 
you know, coming to the real center of of life, and this, the consciousness, the conscious process, the process of the mind interpreting phenomena and responding to it, process of chitta, which is the you see the active point of mental consciousness at any given moment, yeah. So it's always like a it's like a spot of light on a moving object, you know. If you can imagine jitters rather like that, it's not a thing, but if you if you flashed a torch beam onto a stream, you know, you'd see this seemingly solid blob of light, and the stream will be running underneath it, which is consciousness, just the continual flow, you know. And yet this the spot of light would seem to be solid because it's just the location of awareness in that particular moment of consciousness. So, and it could, you, you think, oh, look at that, you know. If you look at it, it seems like, oh, it's full of stuff. Now it's empty. Now it's kind of turgid. Now it's bubbling. Now it's got bits of wood in it. Wow, how's that? Because it isn't actually anything. <laughs> you know, it's just the beam of, you know, you could say it's something like that. You know, like a location of awareness at any given moment. It's chitta. And normally that gets locked into place by uh, cl- clinging, by wanting to be a particular thing, wanting to have a particular uh, energy or mood or feeling or emotion or thought or something of this nature. These what are called kanda aggregates, the things that lock it. So often liberation is seen as the, as the, as the release from these five aggregates, these five kandas, release from form, you know, feeling, and pleasure, pain, perception, and particular impressions, being good, being bad, being a winner, being a loser, this, that, perceptions of oneself, and um, energies or um, activities, it's kind of the motivations, the aims, the intentions of our lives, you know, which we I want to make it work, good intentions, the release from those, you know, and release from the mesmerizing dazzle of consciousness, which is this continual flow of sights, sounds, thoughts, feelings, and something's trying to find, search within that for the, the right mix or blend. Now, release doesn't mean annihilation or breaking these, but for these things, because this is the way that you know manifestations occur in terms of these five aggregates. You know, and that's the kind of thing you've got to operate. This is like the vehicle you're in. You could use an analogy. You know, in this vehicle of the five aggregates. But when you drive a vehicle, you don't want to just kind of cling wildly to the steering wheel and just have your feet round pushing on the throttle all the time. You want to know how to play it, how to hold it gently, how to soften it, how to be firm, how to be loose, how to, you know, when effort's needed, when it's not needed. You know, it's rather like this, you know. So when we kind of, how do we, how do we respond to painful feeling? How do we respond to disagreeable impressions? How do we respond to things being kind of a mass of confusing items? Do we sort of start to panic, freeze, blame, go rigid, get overwhelmed, space out? I guess to some extent we do. But really seeing all that, begin to feel that, be with that, you know, that is the, to my mind, 
that is the, the kernel of the practice, my experience. Not, you know, I've been doing meditation for 35 years, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I still meditate, I like meditating, I want to meditate, I like it, my mind getting calm. But I see that very much as, as a necessary and, and rather beautiful strengthening exercise. A lot of what gets learned is just through stuff happening, you know, and seeing my reactions and my spasms and my joys and my coming through and my getting knotted up, you know, and something there that's, that's arisen because of the strengthening of meditation, clarifying meditation that the, the dispassion that meditation can bring but, you know, it tr- trains the system in that way. You go, oh, here it is, you know. Mm. And you get less kind of uh, thrown by it all. Or less making a person out of, the, out of the tumble that happens. So we kind of learn from our tumble. And I think all this is learning, you know, is something that happens not... Some, some of the last bit to learn seems to me is is the head or the the thinking the concepts you know that's the easy bit you know I guess we all can be pretty it doesn't take that long to get a fairly clear idea you know of of letting go and a practice and a dispassion and so forth but the as you start to sink beneath the forehead and go down, it gets stiffer and stiffer. <laughs> You know, it's, it's going to be pretty flexy up in the head, and it gets pretty starts getting rigid about throat level, you know. And you get these kind of instincts and emotions kick in, and you find yourself in this disappointing state of having quite a clear idea of what you should be, and you're having to own up the fact that you're not. You know, you're still clinging and hanging on and getting snarled up. Yeah. So the learning, uh, real learning to me is more like uh, energetic uh, or, or, or reflex or let's say n- nervous system. Mm. You know, that is that thing that jumps, the thing that tightens, the thing that, that shrinks, the things that retracts, the things that hardens up when you feel yourself bristling, you know, or you feel yourself kind of sort of sinking or you feel yourself you know, like with blaming, something rises up and starts to crinkle up, you know, and you can feel that going into that mode. You know, about to throw a tantrum. So children do it, you know, it's very clear, they kind of, the whole body language kind of goes around throwing a tantrum or feeling happy. And sometimes, you know, body language, you can kind of hold it back and yet the same kind of energies happen. And this is what is Sankaras or this aggregate of, of activities, formations, um, you know, unconscious reflexes and aims. This particular aggregate, and this is the real one which really locked, it gets gets trapped, going to these habitual forms, these habitual activities of feeling left out, feeling, you know something wrong with me, feeling it's your fault, the feeling I, I never get enough, or the feeling I've got too much, you know. And it's, this is the thing that actually determines birth, rebirth, you know, or further birth. It's the big one. It's the thing that keeps, keeps reiterating 
you know, one's habits day after day till they become so familiar that they become who I am. I'm so familiar with this being me thing that there it is again. I know how to do it perfectly. You know, the same sort of attitudes and compulsions. You know, that, exactly that, that familiarity, that, that being a person bit, that is the sankara, that's the real, it's an energetic form, a series of reactions, a series of, of um, psychologies that kick in. You, know, you get people who always feel responsible for everything, incredibly responsible for everything. People who feel they can never do anything, you know, can't manage it. And these are kind of strong examples of that. People who want to fix things. People who have given up on things. You know? People who are going to depression. People who are going to anxiety. Or people, you know, and then beautiful ones too. You know, generous and. But the point is that it's the, it's the lock. It's the sense of habitual reflex goes in there, and that's what brings around birth and death. That's what brings around birth and death because that's the real. That is exactly what gets born. Yeah. yeah. When you look at, uh, when you begin to kind of consider what really are the certainties of our life, we, one certainty seems to be that we're dead, we're going to die. Another certainty seems to be that we were born. But, but, yeah. You sure? <laughs> you know, it's, you see other people die, but you don't see yourself die. Or you see things that you recall death and dying, you see your bodies cease functioning and, yeah, you know, breaking up, cells breaking up, tissues breaking up. So we call that death. Something seems to go through that process. So, yeah, but I think what, you know, the Buddha was recognizing or teaching was there is something deathless. And deathless isn't some other, of course it's rather, you know, difficult to talk about, but some other state of being, you know, like some immortal state, which is, he said, one kind of wrong extreme was to think of it eternalism, like I... I get to some eternal state of consciousness that doesn't die. No, that's not it. What it is, it's more like the unhooking of those reflexes that bind the mind to this process of, you know, what, what breaking up. Yeah. It's non-clinging, really. Non-clinging. Now, if you look just very, very simply, if you, you know, if you look at a simple process of what we might consider ourselves to be like our thoughts, you know, and you try to come to the end of a thought, you know, what happens at the end of a thought? If you watch it very slowly, deliberately think something, it's sort of just, to my mind, it, you know, it's there and then it starts to evaporate. It doesn't really bop. Yeah. And there's various qualities in that. There's the emotional push. 
of the thought, like how much, how impassioned I am with it, how interested I am in that thought. Now that when that's when that's kind of cools down, the thought isn't exactly ended, but it, it, it's starting to fade a little bit. It's not important. So when you look at actually something like a thought, you realise a thought is not just the one thing, it's a compound of an energy, a sense of conviction, uh, uh, an interest in it. And when those little bits of that start to kind of cool down, it's almost as if the thought ends, it just ceases to, to be. It's rather like, you know, peeling an onion, you know, and taking bits off. And when you actually, <laughs> at a certain point, it was just no longer an onion, you know. Uh, or, you know, you could say you're having your fist clenched and then there's a certain point in which you can no longer call it a fist. Where did it go? Now it's a, now it's a hand. There's a certain point in which that hand, you'd call it a fist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's that? Where does it begin and end? Yeah. There's a certain, like, now it's a hand and bang, now it's a fist. Now it, it kind of tends to fistify until we say that's a real fist and then if you get less involved with it and more relaxed it sort of isn't quite so fisty and then it's sort of a bunch of fingers and then it, then it becomes a hand that's birth and death you know? but really there isn't a clear death there's just a changing process and also the process doesn't you know, stop completely. It just morphs until we can no longer call it what it was. You know? Even like a thought, where does it end? And then notice, where does it begin? If you try to come to the beginning of a thought, you find something like a, you know, perhaps when your mind is relatively calm, because at a certain level of energy, those things are winging, pang, pinging through so quick and buzzing around, you don't, you don't really... You know, one doesn't really see what it is. Mind calms down, it comes to just the beginning of a thought. There's a, uh, a little stirring, an interest, an inclination, an intentionality, and then a sort of verbalization. It's a series of things coming together. But it doesn't really begin, it doesn't really end. Yeah? That's sankara, that's the, that's the activity, that's the energy that actually binds it all. And something is, goes for that, as that's the thing. Because yeah? there is a period when it, it becomes relatively solid and definite, and then it starts to morph. Mm? You, know, you can kind of witness that in a thought, and you notice that really is the process on, well, let's not say all things, but things that I've examined closely, you know, notice this hall, pretty solid, it's continually morphing. You know, those, those wooden beams are splintering, the woodworms are chewing it. It's continually become something other. And at some point in time, it will no longer be a hall. But it probably... So it didn't. Ex when did it begin? When we put the foundations down, when we put the beams up, the roof on. There was a certain point in which we declared it a hall. 
<laughs> so things really you know, don't exactly begin, don't exactly end. Not, there's no real birth, there's no real death. But there is clinging. And clinging is what gives those very strong and striking impressions. Birth could be, oh wow, and death could be, oh dear. Yeah. What really makes them so powerful and so poignant and so wonderful and so delightful and so sad is all that reflex of clinging and holding and separate loss and separation and feeling and so forth. Now, you know, the deathless is another number. It's about the non-clinging. It's a lighter touch. It's a lighter being with. And we begin to realize nothing actually is born or dies. You know, so who's this? <laughs> yeah, who's this? There's a moment, there's a moment, there's a moment. And there's a moment in which we begin to notice you know, our biases, our inclinations for good, for bad, for clarity, for various kinds of delusion, or clarity. You know? And somehow, you know, I can't figure this at all. I've got no, I've just back off. Trust the process. Going through the bits where I'm feeling knotted or stuck, just keep going through it. And try to trim away the proliferations my mind can create about it. Yeah. Something wrong with you, something wrong with me, something wrong with him, her, them, it, because, why, wherefore, what it should be, how it's going to be if. Just trim that away. And this is something that, you know, I feel I got a chance with. That's <laughs> non clinging. And, uh, you know, it's, it's to be quite clear about it. You see, you have different terms. One, viveka, which is much more a sense of, it really means something like withdrawal or, um, you know, non involvement. Yeah. Viraga, dispassion, emotional cooling. Niroda, cessation or something no longer running. One is something stops reacting. And Vosaga, which means something doesn't even want to pick up anything. Yeah. And those are considered to be the gradations of, of the way the energies shift towards this eventual fruition of, of non-clinging. The first bit is actually a little more conscious, you know, definitely more conscious. You can actually decide, step back, wait, restraint, get that in perspective, you know, come back in, in you might say, come back to your center. It's definitely, you know, a conscious action with that, Viveka. Viraga, dispassion, is a little more like just let's just wait on that, that, that feeling that's coming up, that mood that's coming up, widen, be a bit more spacious, you know. Again, there's a certain, there's a quite conscious, more conscious, deliberate sense with that. Niroda is, is, um, is not, cessation is not something you do, it's something that begins to happen. Something that actually starts to, stops, you know, the, the wounding or the going out or the proliferation of, of sankaras, of these activities that just 
can't be bothered to go on. It just stops. You lose the momentum, lose the buying into the program, you know, the suffering program, the the way it should be program, the poor me program, the you know whatever it is. Stop. And then even then, Vaisaga means we don't actually pick up. A, oh, look, I've done it. You know, or now I'm here. Or that's really good. Or just mm. we don't actually pick up anything. So this is the kind of the process of, of non-clinging. And this is, is, you know, so the last bits of it really are not about anything we deliberately do. This they're kind of things that our mind, our system starts to basically just go into. You know, right? Like the first is non is is definite conscious. The last is much more about reflexes. And you get you get tested. You know. By, by life, you know, suddenly th- something throws you and you just see, you know, where, where you're at time to time. Whether something's actually stopped or not. <laughs> I, mean, I was in a uh, boat a couple of, year, few, couple of years ago you know, somebody wanted to take me out on a, a uh, kayak uh, uh, in Canada on a lake. So this kayak, so, so I don't know how to operate this thing. So, oh, just don't worry about it, you'll be all right. <laughs> Sitting it, here's a paddle. I said, well, you know, it doesn't feel quite settled to me. Oh, you'll be all right, go out. So I, go. I, wasn't, I wasn't really sitting in anything properly. I wasn't sitting, settled down in it. So sooner or later, sure enough, I'm going on this lake and the thing tips over, you know, and I'm underneath this boat, which is kind of, because you're quite, um, you've got a sort of like an apron thing, which is like a a plastic sheet that fits over your body and then buttons down, so you're actually fastened into the boat and it's just tipped over, so I'm up in the water underneath this boat, held into it by this apron, and, uh, you know, and interesting, because the moment of tipping over, there was that kind of, and then I was down, <laughs> said, well, here we go, and then, oh well, and then I was down in the water, I think, oh, and it's strange, you know, because it's something that's going, oh, it seemed to be about to be drowning. <laughs> I said it wasn't quite a, that clear a thought, it's just that sense, ah, oh, you know, and funny feeling of, this feels familiar, you know, as if, I think maybe I've done this. I've probably died many times in some way, you know, you know this process of really recognizing it. Oh, yeah. And it's just seen this very long, slow, quite happy moment. Not happy at dying, just happy. Well, that was quite an interesting life, wasn't it? You know, that, that kind of feeling. When I put it in words, it sounds much too conscious, but that sense of, oh. And it's just that moment, this little thought bopped up saying, you're supposed to lean forward and throw your arms forward. Oh, all right. I threw my arms and I popped out of the apron, you know, because that was the last piece of instruction I'd been given. I'd actually forgotten it, you know. And then just at this moment, I was going, oh, well, this little thought popped up. I didn't think, it just popped up saying, lean forward, throw your arms forward. So I did, and I popped out of the apron. I found I was holding onto the, the boat and just pulled myself up. And, well, nice day, you know. 
And it's quite interesting how how peaceful it all been. A matter of fact, it had all been. There's no big drama about you know drowning or not drowning. Just just that's what happened. You know, it was like that. It's like it wasn't me doing anything or me being anything. It was just something seemed to have, you know, learnt about reflex and reactions and and um, and, and uh, fear and panic, and it, it just wasn't doing it anymore. And so, you know, that kind of, and then actually, and that that doesn't mean to say, okay, lie here and die, but out of that state of or that that condition of non reaction, non-clinging, it allows clarity to arise. It kind of gives, the system doesn't kind of knot up into some funk, you know, some panic or another. So that somehow this allows, such clarity there is just to come bubbling through unimpeded, which in my case was this little piece of information how to get out of, a, out of this boat thing. And that's kind of things happen uh, uh, several times, quite a few times in my life. I'm sure it happens for many people. You know? mm-hmm. So that, to me, uh, you know, one gets a kind of confidence in that—that that something has learned something, you know, at a level that's more visceral, more more reflex than just ideas about this is what to do. So, the beauty of that is one doesn't really need to learn too much in terms of strategies, what to do in the boat, what to do in terms of a fire, what to do in terms of being attacked by a tiger, what to do in terms of, of, you know, meeting a bunch of drunken football fans on a Saturday night. But (laughs) different strategies, but you can learn how to, you know, what is it that takes one out of fear and panic? What is it that takes one out of blame and despair? What is it that takes you out of anxiety and grief? What is it that takes you out of recklessness and uh, dismissiveness? You know, it's the same thing. There's really one thing to learn. At the root of it is just the the non-clinging, and then you know these other clarity. And I think it's to me it's really lovely to to sense that when the, when the clinging diminishes or ceases or stops for a moment or two you know there's this experience of uh, peace and uh, joy and something quite you know uh, it's not nihilistic you know and that's that's the best to me best bits I get to because then my sense of of conscience and compassion and concern and you know on a functional level actually get regenerated and be revitalized by that 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 quality of of an energy that's not restricted not bound up not flurried not flustered so it definitely has a a kind of a a, 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 um, everyday pragmatism to it So how do you do non-clinging? I think, to me, it's about really, you know, that process, Viveka, stepping back, so you begin to name, you know, oh, that's that's what it feels like. 
you know, what is it, what is it, when does it happen, what does it feel like? Underneath the, uh, the reasons, there's always reasons, there's always strong feelings. And it's not, they're not to be dismissed, but you say, yeah, true. And yet they ride on top of something else. Just like the thoughts of our mind ride, seem to have firmness and terrifying power and brilliant conviction. because They ride on something that gives them that. An energy, an emotional conviction, a sense of uh, velocity. Yeah? Oh, isn't it? So... Not like that. You just sort of step back and look look at all that go, all that's going on, you know, or the, the basic constituents of of a moment of consciousness, of the energies that the factors that come together in it. Just like that, you know. Whether it's good or bad. You know? And of course, most of the time we don't bother because it doesn't seem to be a problem. So, um, unfortunately, it is often the problematic stuff that, that causes one to examine it. Yeah. You know, well, what's going on here? I can't find a way. What's really happening? Yeah. And then, so, so just could you then you work on really the fundamental quality is the sense of, you know, the passion, the, which is the sankara, the intent, nature of the intention, which is impassioned which is solid, which is real, which is never, which is should, which is always, which is got to. And it's, wow, feel that little baby in your hand, you know? Uh, feeling it, rocking it. Then you've come to dispassion. Sense, yeah, you know, that's what it feels like. We all have these, they're hot. So with me, dispassion always has compassion in it, you know? I've got these little hot numbers. I'm sure everybody's got their little hot spots, you know. And for me, they, they, when they take hold, they feel really real. Yeah. And then it becomes much more, um, less conscious, less deliberate. Through that, through the, the what's called like a nibida, which comes with compassion, actually. Wow. Like, everybody's got this. Everybody's wound up with this. I get wound up with it. She gets wound up with it. He gets wound up with her. His. She gets wound up with hers. Oh, well, isn't this really, really poignant, you know? And then there's just something goes, enough, you know? Enough of making, making people out of all this stuff. Enough of making me and you out of it all. Just enough. This is nibida, sense of enough, had enough, do of solidifying this, of you know, getting off on this. Yeah. And then you know, that, that's the kind of to me there's a maturation there. and then the Navasaga, which means like something like complete relinquishment or abandonment, is you know. Not picking, any, you know, not picking anything up. Just don't want to pick anything up, or not really seeing anything that there is to be picked up. You know, having that real feeling of whatever is formed or sankarad, whatever is created, conditioned, programmed. Is it? You know, 
It's not worth picking up. And that includes the nihilism program. You know, so it's not like everything's a waste of time, won't we'll bother with it. No, I don't want to pick that one up either. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the middle way, isn't it? You know, we, things come to us and we watch or we witness our own process and yeah, to meet something without clinging, without defending, without buying into it, just to meet it and allow some kind of response to happen from a place of clarity. I think this is certainly, you know, why the, the, the results of this seem to be, you know, quite quite personal. You know, yet people become quite personal. It's very intimate because there is this sense of of a of a, of a joyfulness or a clarity or a vigor or, or ease that that is experienced, and we see it in him and in her. You know. What's she gone? What's he gone? Of course, <laughs> we tend to take that very much as a person. Let that let that be, because the real process it has to you know is underneath that. So, I'll offer this for your reflection tonight.